Welcome to the Fed Heads, a weekly podcast from Grant Thornton Public Sector. Join the Fed Heads, Robert Shea and Francis Rose, each week to talk about the arcana of government management and the people who are working hard every day to improve it. Welcome to episode 158 of Fed Heads. I'm Francis Rose. And I'm Robert Shea. So there's good news. The good news is that. Oh, thank God. Well, I know. The good news is we are getting closer to being back in the business of in-person Fed heads. We were actually supposed to be. I'm here. I'm here in studio looking at an empty chair. (laughs) So we're making the uh, back-to-the-office arrangements that organizations all over the federal government are making, thinking about what does that look like, what, who does what, and all of that. And it looks like uh, July is when we're going to shoot for uh, doing Fed heads episodes in the studio in the Grant Thornton offices again. Looking forward to that. Um, one of the things that I think is interesting about that, though, and you and I talked about it just a little bit before I started recording, is you said, I think very presciently, maybe the guests won't come back. And, and I think the reason that is worth talking about is because that's exactly the conversation that people will have across the government, I think, in the next couple of weeks. We figured out how to do this remotely. I think we may have even upped our game, Francis, but let's let the audience be judged. You and I personally or the federal government in general? <laughs> <laughs> the reason I brought it up about guests is because it would just make it easier on them and us logistically to get this done. And that's true of many, many things. But interactions are different in person than they are remote. So people are going to have to figure out what the balance is between continuing to work remotely, juggling things that are going on in your house uh, with needing to be, you know, face to face with somebody to get the job done. It really ought to be about what's most effective, accomplishing what you're trying to accomplish. That's going to be different for everybody, isn't it? Every organization that'll look different. It sure is. It sure is. But when you've got an organization as big as the federal government with 2 million plus employees, There are many, many, many functions that can be performed remotely. Look at the Patent and Trademark Office. They've been doing this for a long time. I suspect the footprint they've got is going to decline, and a lot of other organizations are going to follow suit. Others, on the other hand, need to be uh, at their desks, at their posts, because their jobs demand it. PTO also has the most exuberant chief information officer in the history of the federal government, I think. Jamie Holcomb just loves, loves his job, and he loves that agency, and I think that's fantastic. The biggest thing that has happened in a long time, I think, for the things that you and I care about and watch and pay attention to has happened now. We've been talking about when is the budget going to come out, when is the budget going to come out, the budget came out. And it strikes me there's a million different places that People can talk about kind of the horse race of who got what, and, and, and nobody got anything because it's a budget request, and we'll talk about that in a second. But people are scrutinizing the numbers. I think that's great. What does this mean from an agency perspective, and what does this mean from an OMB perspective now that this thing's on the street, Robert? Well, OMB can take a breather. They've probably been able to take a little bit of a breather since – This document had to go to the printer a while back. The agencies can rest assured that there's at least a starting point to begin the debate on Capitol Hill. Members of Congress have been mad as hell that they haven't gotten a budget request yet because 
they can't really begin the process of appropriating until the president's bid is in. But uh, I think the lateness suggests that a continuing resolution of some length is more certain than usual. Um, how long it lasts and when we finally get a budget agreement is going to depend just on how quickly the appropriators can get about their business. The House is saying they want to get stuff done before the August recess or before the end of the summer. That's pretty ambitious, not having gotten one until right before Memorial Day. What happens inside an agency when the budget request comes out in the CFO office and in the offices of the programs that are potentially affected? Does it is is Monday any different than Friday? Only to the extent that they've got to get their individual congressional budget justifications, their CJs as they're called, over to the Hill, posted on the internet, and testimony. They've got the, the leaders of those agencies need to justify their budgets before um, House and Senate appropriators. And that takes teams of people to get those uh, leaders ready to give those testimonies. There's not much of a numbers game. Those things are buttoned up. They're, now we're in the process of justifying and negotiating the actual final numbers. Congress's itchiness was uh, indicated on the defense side because DOD's already had a number of budget justification hearings. By the way, when you when you said CJs, for some reason it sounded to me like sneakers. I don't know why. It just that was kind of the image that came into my head when you used that term. Right, and then we're at 159 episodes. You ought to have learned by now that not every thought is worth being uttered on Fethead. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Back I love to, you, man. Back to, back to the business of government. Thanks very much for that. I don't, I don't quite know how to rebound from that, so say something interesting about the budget. Sneak, sneakers or CJs both can be pretty smelly, um, de depending on what number you were looking for. We know this right now, right, that, that during the Trump administration, defense, VA, Homeland Security, huge plus ups, social service agencies, not so much. We're gonna have, we're we're seeing a, the opposite here, and the, the you know the big question on the defense side was the appropriators and, and the authorizers really were desperate to see that request. What were the details of the request? Who were the winners and the losers among those different systems? Because that's a pretty complex exercise getting the defense budget through the appropriations process. So we're going to see all of these uh, justification hearings in the coming weeks and months. Um, what goes into preparing for those both on the Hill side and on the agency side beyond just preparing the, the documentation and the, the preparation for the, the witnesses? Well, as I've told you before, and you've rolled your eyes uh, before. And will the again. Most, um, the, mo the most important volume of the many volumes that make up the president's budget is the appendix. Um, it's misnamed. That's the document that includes the statutory text that makes up the budget proposal. It's the beginning place for Congress to add and delete from the actual budget. But what I find most interesting, frankly, is the subcommittee reports. Each subcommittee, as it files its report to be considered by the full committee, has to issue a report 
on what the various provisions of the budget means. And there are a lot that is jam-packed with policies that can really tell you a lot about what at least Congress is going to be interested in from that agency over the next year. When you lay it out like that, when you explain it that way, it helps me, I think, to understand a lot better why it's. there's no possible way this is going to be done by September 30th. It just can't be. There is no conceivable way it gets done by September. We will be living under a continuing resolution. Again, how long, I don't know. Usually it's the holidays when we're talking about actually agreeing to a full year appropriation. Oh, boy. Okay, well, it is what it is. You know, there's only so much that we can do. Now, one thing that you've trained me up about when it comes to the budget is that there are always three budgets going at any given time. So this administration, I imagine, under that premise, has already started working on fiscal 2023, hasn't it? It absolutely has. Those will be due to OMB in September as they are concluding the current fiscal year's appropriation. But of course, the amount of money that these agencies have had to spend as a result of the pandemic and the series of pandemic response and economic recovery bills that have been enacted, I mean, there's just been no rest for the weary. And I don't see that letting up in the near future. Does that amount of money that has been pumped through these agencies over the last year or so, what does that mean for their workforces, especially in financial management? What does that mean for the impact on other programs? Because everybody kept doing all the other stuff they had to do in addition to administering all of the pandemic-related stuff. It's not like you could just go, well, we'll just hold off on everything until we get all this pandemic stuff put out. That's right. And I think that's where virtual really helped us. We were able to sustain productivity during this process. But there'll be another crisis. There'll be another cyber breach. There's a pending housing crisis going on. I think one of the big things that's going to impact the economy and the government is the employment crisis. There are not enough people to fill the jobs that are vacant in the economy today. And that's only going to get worse as the economy rebounds. So the government's going to bear the brunt of that because it has a harder time than anybody recruiting and retaining people. I don't mean to harangue about this. Well, you you did seem like you got a little bit peeved there. (laughs) Well, I worry about it. I worry about it. You know, important missions being performed. We need good people doing them. And, you know, it's it's going to become crisis level, the number of of, uh, vacancies that are going to impact agency operations. President talked about doubling the staff at the Internal Revenue Service. That's nice theoretically. It's nice even if that gets approved. But actually hiring that number of people is hard to imagine. Yeah, you got to go out and find those humans after you figure out whether we're going to do it or whether we're, how we're going to pay for it or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and attract them to go work at the Internal Revenue Service. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's an image problem as much as it is an employment problem, I suppose. But, right. Um, all right. So what, what do we watch? What should we pay attention to throughout this budget process between now and, I was going to say the end of September, but I guess if we don't have any idea when the CR would run. How quickly do the appropriators get their work done? In the midst of that, does Congress enact an infrastructure bill, and how does that impact things? there'll be increasing pressure to be more 
well, not austere, but at least less generous than in the past. So that, that, and then, you know, still waiting for the president's management agenda to be released. Little, you know, previews uh, of that, the uh, aligned to the president's priorities of pandemic response, economic recovery, climate, and equity. Those will be priorities, but you know, what that framework looks like is something I'll be watching closely. Do you think there will be much of a difference in the president's management agenda? It strikes me over the, what, 20 years or so that it's existed, it's kind of matured into a fairly consistent piece of work. I mean, they administration to administration seems to draw on the last administration to a fairly large degree, or am I, did, did I miss something over the years? No, I think you're right. Some of the themes have persisted from administration to administration. I do think the focus on equity and, cl- and climate, mm. you know, to accomplish those important objectives, you need a high performing government. So those things will be much more intertwined. The, the, the mission focus and the management focus, I think will be um, more closely intertwined. Um, I am grateful to you for the grace that you extended me last week after our conversation with Taka Ariga at the Government Accountability Office. And I think of that, number one, because it was just on the last episode, and number two, because I was thinking about GAO today, as I note, since the last time that you and I did one of these conversational-type deals, one of your favorite things every year came out, and that is the GAO's annual list of fragmentation, duplication, and overlap. And I always get those things out of order i never get the order right so apologies to gao but you love that list don't you that's you you really dig that list i dig that list it's a to-do list for fixing government but it also gives uh, gao a great opportunity to beat his chest about the billions and billions they've saved the government and contributed to improving its performance I want to send uh, a particular shout out to a member of Congress, to a senator from the great state of New Hampshire, Maggie Hassan, former governor of that state. I think you know I'm a huge New Hampshire fan. Love the state of New Hampshire. Senator Hassan had the Comptroller General, Gene Dodaro, at a hearing, and Senator Hassan proposed that federal agencies do an inventory of their programs. There's a passage about it in the Washington Post uh, last week. And as I read that, I thought, Senator Hassan, if you can figure out how to get agencies to do something that Senator Tom Coburn tried to get agencies to do for, what, 15 years at least, then, then good on you, Senator Hassan. Go you if you can get agencies to finally do that. How long have we been talking about getting agencies to do a programmatic inventory and it hasn't happened. I mean, I know of 15 years and I'm not proposing I was there at the beginning. So we may be talking about the Hoover commission, Francis. Great. We've been at it a long time and it's a shame we don't have it today. There are those who think it'd be a waste of time. It would be irrelevant the moment it was agreed on. But I, I think people ought to have a source to consult when they, think they've got a great idea for a new program chances are it already exists and working on fixing that one rather than creating a whole new one 
probably a better approach. Isn't it a law, too, at this point? Wasn't there some law that required uh, members of uh, that required the agencies to do that, report to members of Congress, and obviously it's never happened? The most recent one was just passed, the Taxpayer Right to Know Act. Mm. Senator Lankford, Senator Hassan. And so the government's obligated, at least statutorily, to come up with that list. I'm anxious to see it myself. You're not the only one, it sounds like. So uh, we will continue to watch that. What else should we pay attention to? It's going to be a long, hot summer. <laughs> it's all you got. How are you making out with the cicadas? They're driving me crazy. That noise, I think- that noise, I just can't take it anymore. Here, listen to this. This is what I hear all the time. I'm going to open the window in my studio. Oh, my God. It's driving me crazy. It, it, no, it's going to pass. It'll be interesting to see when it passes. I don't think they've been as bad as I expected. That's a weird phenomenon, though, seeing those things stick to my fence and crawl out and fly away. The whole thing's just... Wait, hold on. Let me close the window. There's a metaphor in it for government. Oh, I thought you were going to say for me. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just gonna no. Go. Wait a minute. My favorite cicada. Maybe, maybe we need to rethink this partnership after the earlier comment and then the cicada thing, but I suppose not. All right. It's all love. I know it is. I know it is. All right. Uh, great to be with you. Episode 158 in the books, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, my friend. Take care, my friend. Thanks for listening to The Fed Heads, brought to you by Grant Thornton Public Sector. All of the resources talked about during the episode are available in the episode description. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us on Twitter at GT Public Sector to join the conversation. And don't forget to leave us a comment or review on iTunes or the Google Play Store.